5 o'clock in Pirate Country, and 94.3 The Game is going to get you home with the P-Man. In 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. Lock it in. Turn it up. It's time for the Patrick Johnson Show on 94.3 The Game. This is the flagship station of the ECU Pirates. Welcome into the Patrick Johnson Show. Ben B. Baby Byron filling in for the P-Man alongside me. Philip the Ref Pilkington, how you doing, my friend? Just got back from Charlotte. I'm good. I'm a little tired. My voice is a little gone from yelling over those cars, but uh, it was a good weekend. And a special guest joining me, my friend Scott Rogers. Scooter, how you doing, my friend? It's not every day I get to see you in person. Normally we're talking through a mic and cutting up and joking around. It's it's great, bittersweet to finally see you in person. I have you in studio. It's different to see both you and Philip in person at the same time. I don't think this has ever happened before. When I got the offer today, I couldn't turn it down. Yeah, it feels like the world's going to explode or something. Absolutely. Yeah. But, hey, it's like Christmas Day if you're a Pirate fan. Not only do you get a top eight seed and get to host a regional, possibly a super regional. I don't think we have the super regional dream any longer. <laughs> Just put it that way. I mean, and an added bonus. More on that a little bit. Uh, a lot of controversy surrounding the selection show. But let's just get right into it, Scooter. Uh, obviously, the guys had issue with travel last night. I want to get into that because apparently there's all kinds of inside jokes amongst this team and everything. Heard something about Wolf Chili. I don't really know the story behind Wolf Chili. But uh, apparently some issues getting back to Charlotte, I believe, last night. One team didn't, or one group didn't get back till five a.m. What was the deal there last night? Yeah, so I was part of that group. We, uh, oh really? <laughs> yes, we pulled in the Clark or Claire about five fifteen this morning. Jeez. Uh, but yes, yeah, so we flew from Tampa to Charlotte last night, and our connecting flight from Charlotte to uh-huh. RDU got canceled. So we had to rent three cars and drive through the night back to Greenville. Oh my gosh! So yeah, that was a uh, that was an interesting trip. Last yeah, night, absolutely. Uh, but yeah, we were the team was actually on a couple different flights just because of the way it worked out. Yeah, because because you had to book them basically so late because yep. you don't know the schedule absolutely with, yeah. in terms of Makes losing sense. out or something like that. But everybody else got back nice and well, sound. The, it sounds like all the stars got back on a nice flight <laughs> pretty early. There was there was a couple. I think there was two groups that got back to RDU around ten, and then we were supposed to get back with another group around yep. midnight. But obviously that did not happen last night. Yeah, we were talking to like kind of the star players on the team earlier today, and like, did you have any issues getting that back at five o'clock in the morning? It was like Mayhew and Jiggets Coward and Whirl and Agnos. They're like, no, I, I don't even know what's going on there. Like, yeah, we had no problem. I had uh, I had Jenkins Coward, Ben Tewilliger, Ryan McChrystal, Josh Moylan, and Merritt Beaker, I believe. Dude, with me last that's, night. That's quite a group right there. It was it was an interesting car ride back See, in we haven't really got to talk in terms of being in the media and press conference. We haven't got to talk to Jenkins Coward a lot, but he's a goof, man. I love him. He, he seems is. Like a fun like a really fun guy. He is, and he's very loose, and I think that's one thing that has helped him so much as a freshman this Absolutely, year. And, yeah. you know, you look at him, and like you said, he's loose. He doesn't really have a freshman presence to him yeah. right now, and I think that's one thing that's helped him all season long. Absolutely, absolutely. Well, you're just a part of a much a part of this team than anybody else, and uh, you traveled with them, really got to know them. Even just a couple weeks ago, the idea that this team would be hosting a regional, there's even some speculation. Hey, are we even going to make the tournament? Now you're talking. You could possibly host a super regional. Has to come as a complete shocker, considering where we were at just a couple weeks ago. And if you go even further back, like I said, there was talks that. In this league, it was going to be a one big lead, and it come down. It came down to whoever's going to win the conference tournament, 
uh, would determine if you're going to a regional or not. This has to be a bittersweet moment for you, especially in your first year. Just kind of what are your thoughts when ESPN kind of half-assed you out there like, hey, we're a top eight seed and uh, all of a sudden we're hosting. It was – well, I mean, you were there at yeah. the selection show today. And Even the players were confused. Yeah, and they just kind of threw it up there and had all the live feeds for yeah. the teams. Everyone and, was not ready. We, they didn't even realize the selection show had come on yet. Right. And all of a sudden we're a top eight seed and everyone's like, hey, did we just make it? Right, yeah. and they just kind of threw it up there. And they said, here's our top eight seeds. And then we – I saw – I was looking at it. I said, East Carolina. And I was like – Oh, my God, we're yeah. a top eight seed. <laughs> yeah. All the players are in the uh, press conferences like, yeah, we kind of looked around. We're like, did they just say that? We're not sure. We weren't really paying attention. Didn't realize it started. And then once it settled in, we're like, yeah, let's go. Like, right. Yeah, we got a super regional. But, yeah, that was, like, really poorly handled by ESPN. Like, I, it, it a lot of been, confusion in the room. It could have been a whole lot more dramatic yeah. than it was, I think. And I think that was one thing that, you know, yeah. you see they, they go through and they announce all the yeah. brackets at the same time yeah. almost. And I was expecting it to kind of be like that. But, yeah. you know, they just kind of – Threw yeah. it out there. It would be interesting to see the feed at that moment where, you know, ESPN tunes it live from the team or whatever. They've got to be really confused and a lot of silence. And all of a sudden, like, oh, wait, we're on ESPN. We must have made it. Like, right. Yeah. I would definitely want to go back and see how that looked. Well, what I thought was weird, too, is the way they kind of worded it. I don't know because I was watching on TV. You guys were there. They were kind of like, and we'll tell you your top eight seeds. And then they show eight teams. And it's like I had to make a pause. I'm like, so are they going to tell us the top eight and they yeah. just happen to show eight different teams right mm-hmm. now? Or are these the eight teams? Right. And then we see where ECU baseball tweeted it out, we're a top eight seed. And it's like, oh, wow. So it was the commentary of it was was whack as well. And in, from what I could kind of hear, of course, I was driving in the car and watching on my phone too. Not that I should probably admit that, but, you know. Yeah. I mean, whatever. It's, it is what it is. But uh, this is something, it might be a little bit of a nerdy question, but uh, it's something that definitely caught my attention at the watch party. Uh, Campbell gets announced to whatever region they get announced to. I believe it was Tennessee as a three seed. And uh, came out of nowhere. Uh, Once again, they didn't really – the format was kind of off when it came to the selection show. And when Campbell got mentioned, I saw some of the players kind of snickering, cutting it up. You know, they were kind of blowing it off a little bit. It came off to me that maybe there's a little bit of tension and rivalry between them and Campbell. Obviously, when they played each other this year, there was some tension, some jawing back and forth. Does this team have some bad blood with Campbell? Do you pick up on that, or am I reading way too much into this? I just, I'm just personally curious. I wouldn't say there's bad blood, but like you said, there was a lot of yeah. junk talking coming from Campbell in that in that in the latest game just a couple of weeks ago, and you know their starting pitcher Cade Keeler. I mean, obviously was really good yep. in that game, but he, him and their dugout talked a lot of junk Absolutely, during yeah. that game, and I think that was kind of what set that off a yeah. little bit today, but. I was worried a little bit that Campbell was going to be coming here Still for a our regional. Team, oh, absolutely. The them, t- that's a team you don't want to face in a regional. Absolutely. They get hot in the postseason. So. Right. Yeah. And, you know, they've got the arms, not only Cade Keeler, the guy that we saw, but they also have Thomas Harrington, who I believe was the Big South pitcher of the year this year. And they got two absolutely. really good arms. And if they could get through a regional and then get to a super with it just being a three game series. Yeah. That's a team that could have a shot. And I've said that through this season, that that could be a team that's a dark horse Absolutely. for Omaha. consistent about that. I mm-hmm. mean, you said the same thing about Cincinnati coming to the conference tournament. Look what happened. They got right. pretty far. We ended up facing them. But uh, another guy brought um, – just speaking of Campbell, I know this is a guy Coach O's high on. Every time Campbell gets brought up, he's got to mention this guy, Zach Neto. Right. I mean, that's a guy you definitely don't want to face in the postseason, especially how hot he is on the bats. That's a guy you could potentially see going late first round somewhere in the second. Yeah, that's a guy you don't want to face in a Greenville regional. But just kind of looking at the slate here and the level of competition, uh, 
Coppin State announces a four seed, Virginia two seed, which I'm a little worried about that one. I got to be honest with you. And then Coastal Carolina, former national champion just a couple years ago. Coastal Carolina is the team I particularly want to ask you about because that's a team in between breaks when we would talk about what's going on around the country. You were surprised that's a team we don't play more often in right. the regular season. Now we're finally going to see them. Kind of what's the jury on this Coastal Carolina team? And why are they so polarizing to you? Still haven't gotten a lot of prep done just because it's been such a I long day. But, uh, You've been getting blown up. Right. right. Yeah. Uh, but Coastal Carolina, you know, traditially a good program. I've said, you know, they've won a national title. Same thing with Virginia. They've won a national title Absolutely. as well. So this is going to be a very tradition-rich Greenville Regional this year. And, you know, you look at this, the Coppin State team, just to talk about them first, really, yep. because we got to get through them first. Absolutely, yeah. This is a team looking at their numbers, you know, just numbers-wise, very similar to a Cincinnati club there. Pitching-wise, a little bit on the higher end in terms of ERA, but upper, a team that's hitting. six, right? Yes. Yep. And now average hitting almost 300 as a team. I think they're hitting just over 280. And really so good. pitching-wise, you know, it's going to be interesting to see how that game goes. I was talking with their radio guy a little bit today, and they've had their issues pitching-wise in terms of injuries and stuff like that. But offensively, he said they've had a lot of games this season where you know 18-12 to 12 was their MEAC title final score, I believe. Yep. And he said that offense has had to bail out the pitching-wise a lot this season. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. And then looking at Virginia, that was a team a couple of weeks ago we were talking, well, if we do get a postseason bid – we might have to head up to Charlottesville, and all of a sudden they're coming here. I mean, that's got to come as a shocker. And uh, just a little bit on this Virginia team, what are you seeing there? That's a team I'm worried about a little bit. Yeah, and, you know, Virginia was very hot at the beginning of the year Absolutely. this year, and they kind of fell off as the year went along. It was and they, just the nature of the conference. Right, right. Yeah. And, you know, the ACC obviously had so many bids this season, and obviously we'll get into one team from the ACC yeah. that didn't make it this yeah, year. Yeah, a little added bonus if you're a Pirate fan. Right. We'll, we'll save that for the next segment. But, yeah. um, but uh, you know, this is, like we said, a very tradition-rich program that knows how to win. And as you said, that was a team that we were looking at, hey, this might be a possible destination for yep. the Pirates this year. Now it's the complete opposite. They'll be coming to us. Yeah. Now, uh, I picked up on this during the Cliff Godwin uh, press conference earlier today, and he talked a little bit about Ryder Giles, and uh, maybe I'm reading a little bit too much into it. I'm kind of making assumptions. But it seems like Ryder Giles is not a guy we're going to see too much on the mound uh, during this regional this weekend. And obviously, you're not going to know the ins and outs. Nothing's been announced when it comes to starting rotation. But it seems like his mentality when it came to Ryder Giles is that he's got has been the program, has had some work on the mound. He was just a guy that needed to right the ship show the other pitchers when Cooch Manor was out what needs to be done, and then once that gets done, we can go back to a normal starting rotation. Is that what you're kind of picking up? Sort of, kind of. I think, you know, he wants to take it a little bit yep. day by day like he has all season long. Um, but, you know, Ryder's a guy that has that experience that he can come in to a game as well. And if you need a spot start when Absolutely. you get loose, if you have a game, you know, go 13, 14 innings. Let's just say that, for example. He can come in and give you that start. And, you know, I like Ryder personally on the mound just because he's so much different, you know, yep. kind of a right-handed cooch manner almost, sort of say, just because he's yep. so off-speed, so low junk throwing, but it's coming from that right side instead of left. And, you know, I like pitchers like that. I think that's why cooch Maynard's been so successful as well. But it gives you a good – difference in that pitching staff as well where you could bring in him and then you go to someone like Garrett Saylor who's throwing low 90s as well so absolutely. just just to have that timing difference too absolutely and then one kind of underrated story when it comes to ECU baseball a player I think has been overlooked especially later when you come to the 
last couple of games of the regular season in the conference tournament is Ben Newton. I mean, that's a guy that's been really high at the bat. Early in the year, it was kind of a tandem between uh, McChrystal and then uh, Wilcoxon. All of a sudden, Ben Newton, who's this guy that was written off as the primarily defensive catcher, gets really hot in the bats, and he's probably one of the more overlooked guys that's very important during this run. Absolutely. You know, Ben, I believe, finished hitting close to 330 in conference play Insane. this season. Yeah. And if, like you said, for a guy who's not known for his offense, he and he's even said that, yeah. too. But, you know, it's, like you said, crazy that at the beginning of the year we only saw him when Jake Kuchmaner was on the mound. That yeah. was the only time we saw him catching. And then, you know, Justin Wilcox is still a young guy. Yep. Ryan McChrystal obviously still young, being a true freshman. And the defensive kind of woes behind the plate kind of got Ben into that role. And yep. it's just been a, an added bonus for how well he's been doing at the plate. But defensively, Ben Newton's been pretty solid all yep. season long. He's improved a lot from last season, and defensively, he's been a big part of this club and even more offensively, especially over the past couple of weeks. Absolutely. More on the Pirates in a bit. Coming up, we'll talk about a, a notable team in the state getting snubbed, plus the makeup of some of these regionals and brackets. A little weird this year when you talk about location-wise. More on that in a little bit. You, you're down to stick around, Scooter? Let's do it. More on that on the other side of this quick timeout here on the Patrick Johnson Show. season get the latest on the carolina panthers as jim zoki from the panthers radio network joins the p-man bring on the good stuff universe this and every monday right here on 94.3 the game the flagship station for the ecu pirates if you've been injured in an accident and need cash now before your case settles oasis financial can help last month oasis helped over 3,000 people why not you? If you have an attorney, call Oasis Financial today at 877-266-9107. It takes just three minutes to apply. And once you're approved, get $500 to $100,000 of your settlement in as little as 24 hours with no risk to you. That's right. Get $500 to $100,000 within one day. If you lose your case, you don't have to pay Oasis back ever. So call Oasis today to see if you qualify at 877-266-9107. That's 877-266-9107. Better days start today. Get the cash you need with Oasis. Call Oasis today at 877-266-9107. Oasis is currently not providing legal funding in Arkansas, Kansas, Kentucky, Maryland, North Carolina, North Dakota, or West Virginia. You don't sit behind a desk every day to earn a living. You're out and about making it happen. And sometimes you get a little bit behind on your paperwork, you know, like bookkeeping and paying your taxes. It's easy to get behind on paying your taxes. It happens to the best of us. And you know what happens next. The big bad IRS comes knocking on your door. And when that happens, you need to call the good old boys at the tax doctor. Let them do what they do best. Deal and negotiate with the IRS so you pay the lowest you can in back taxes that the law allows. We are a 100% U.S.-based company, and we've saved our clients millions over the years in back taxes. If you owe $10,000 or more in back taxes, call my friends right now at the tax doctor and learn more. 800-918-7169. 800-918-7169. That's 800-918-7169. Hey, I'm Gray Fussell. I'm a fourth-generation winemaker at Dupa Winery and a proud alumnus of ECU. I'd love for you to visit with us in Rose Hill or North Myrtle Beach or look for our delicious fruity wines in your favorite store or on our website. 
website. As always, thank you for your support. And now that I work full-time with my dad, I understand why Mom enjoys a glass of our Hatter's Red every night. Thanks for drinking Duplin, and go Pirates! For projects big or small, play it safe when you plan on digging and call or click 811 three working days before you dig. 811 is the first step to getting your buried underground utilities like gas, electric, or internet lines located. Having these lines marked before digging helps keep you, your family, and your neighborhood safe. 811 is fast, free, and it's the law. So don't forget to make the call to 811. Sponsored by North Carolina 811 and the North Carolina Association of Broadcasters in cooperation with the station. Happy hours are always a swashbuckling good time with the P-Man. Happy hour for me never starts till after five. Me either. This is only number three. Let's get back to the Patrick Johnson Show here on 94.3 The Game, the flagship station of the ECU Pirates. Welcome back to the Patrick Johnson Show. Ben B. Baby Barn filling in for the P-Man Phil the Ref Hilkington alongside me on this Memorial Day edition and joined by a special guest, Scott Rogers, the voice of ECU baseball, Scooter. And, uh, yeah, that's just for my friends that are fans of the Wolfpack. Big snub today when it comes to the selection show and the big controversy, and I'm not complaining too much, but this was insane. NC State gets snubbed out of any kind of bid whatsoever despite being, I believe they're at 30 in the RPI right now, 32. And uh, the big people or the big team that everybody points out that got an at-large bid that really bothered people was Grand Canyon, who comes out of the Western Atlantic. Their strength of schedule was 84. They sit at 50 on the RPI. They were 41-19 and 19 on the season, but did not win their conference tournament. And somehow they get a bid, but NC State doesn't get one. Uh, I they tried to explain it on the selection show. wasn't making a ton of sense. But, man, I mean, I'm not complaining, but that was definitely another big blunder when it comes to the selection show, much like we saw last year where schools got snubbed because of 500 teams like Alabama out of the SEC wanted to get it, wanted to get it a bid. It's just insane that this keeps happening. Just y'all's personal first reactions when you saw that, uh, hey, state is not in. Right, and, you know, we were sitting there. I was watching at the selection show party with ECU today, and, you know, I'm waiting, yep. waiting. Yeah. Haven't seen State yet. Everybody seen, was. Yeah. Even the team, yeah. And then we get to the last two brackets, and it was Oregon State, and I can't remember who they're paired up with, and I'm like, well, I think it might have been Southern Miss. They're, yeah, they're I got it with. for you. But I was looking, Southern Miss Auburn, popped Oregon up. Oregon State and Auburn. Yeah. yeah. And I think Southern Miss was up right before then, and I'm like, okay, they could probably be going here as a two seed. Yeah. Didn't happen. Auburn came up, and I was like, they're not here either. I said, yeah. they're not going to be going to Oregon State. Yeah. I said, they're not going to send them that far as a two seed. I'm like, they're not going to make the tournament. Yeah. And I was I was blown away that yeah. they did not make it. And, you know, a lot of people didn't even have NC State as a, a bubble team. I mean, yeah. people had them as a, a lock yeah. for a two seed, a very high two seed. As well, but you could definitely tell that this committee this year put a big emphasis on strength of schedule. You Absolutely. saw that with Notre Dame yeah. not hosting this year. And you look at another team, not saying they really got snubbed from the field this year, Wofford. but Wofford yeah. and also Old Dominion 
as well. We oh, all know. I forgot all about Old Dominion. Right. Yeah, that's you, a team that definitely deserved it. And I think NC State and Old Dominion were the first two out, and you look at that, and they're four and zero against the number eight seed yeah. in the tournament this year. Absolutely, yeah. <laughs> well, and I also I really thought State was coming here. Yeah, I, I really too. did. Yeah, I was worried about that. Yeah, same thing. I, the whole time. So when they didn't get in, I was like, I mean, I could maybe understand. You know, I mean, they didn't win the conference. Didn't they? They still made the conference championship, right? Didn't they lose they to did. Carolina? They did. So, I mean, you think making the conference championship, losing to a team that is a national seed. Well, are they a national seed? I can't remember what seed Carolina is. They're a ten or 11. ten. So yeah. they're not a national seed. They're still a host team. It's like they that shouldn't take them off the two line even. Right. And if it does, they should be the number one three or number two three because I know there's still a few threes that are at large bids, not just you know automatic qualifiers. Yeah. Well, especially when you had schools in the ACC that didn't make make it very far in that tournament and still right. just got not only hosting like bids, like not only being able to host regionals, but got at large bids and state didn't get one and they were better than some of those teams. I thought. Yeah. Oh yeah, and you know everybody knows how good. In NC State is yeah. offensively. I mean, we saw that in Raleigh. Pitching, I said this to Coach O earlier in the year. Pitching has been heavily underlooked when it comes to NC State. Have right. a lot of great arms. Yeah, they do. And, you know, like we said, offensively, obviously, everybody knows Tommy White. Batting He's, almost 300 collectively yeah. as a team. Right. And, you know, like you said, pitching while was really good. The really only weakness from NC State this season was fielding. I think they were mm-hmm. fielding around 950 this year as a team fielding percentage. And, you know, really 960, 970 above is a good fielding team. And they've had their struggles fielding-wise yep. this year. And that's really been the only weakness of that Wolfpack club. But you look – you know, someone brought this up to me today. You look over the past month, and they've lost some bad matchups too. I think they lost to Wake Forest. They lost to Duke as well. And, yep. and, you know, you throw in some of that, and that might have been what the committee was looking at and saying, hey, over the past month they've got some pretty good, pretty bad losses in yep. there. But still, I mean, Wake Forest, they're a two-seed. Yeah. Right. Going to Maryland. Exactly. You know, um, and actually with Maryland being the 15, theoretically, you would think they're one of the higher two-seeds. And I'm not trying to argue with you here, but right. and then also, I mean, you know, we've seen how much RPI, you know, I know some people don't like when we talk about it, but Coach O, who's on the committee, says they take – that into consideration, ECU's RPI, eight. Our seed, eight. Yep. So, 32, right. that lets me know they're the last two seed, theoretically. I mean, right. I know RPI doesn't mean everything, but I still think it means a lot. Well, oh, just yeah. Looking at the numbers here on the RPI, they had a 26-ranked uh, strength of schedule here. Uh, they were 14 and 15 in conference, so that definitely helps their case for why they shouldn't have been in. And then you look at their non-conference RPI, uh, 49th in the country, and then i Remember, they got swept by Northeastern, so that definitely doesn't help. Northeastern hasn't really done anything since. So, yeah, I mean, those are the numbers when you really break it down. Did not help them whatsoever at all. Yeah, and I, I remember being at the watch party, and then the SID, ECU's SID, Malcolm Gray's in front of me. and He's looking around, and, like, once again, I don't mean to keep crapping on the selection show. It's still kind of a newer thing they're trying to figure out. Um but we were like, it just abruptly ended when it came to the selections. We're like, oh, I guess it's over. And we're looking around, and then Malcolm Gray looks at me, and he's like, did NC State get selected? And he's looking at all the media members like, did they get picked? And like, we realized, no, I don't think they got picked no. at all. And it resonated with the team, and they just realized it, and they just start kind of laughing or just kind of right. going like, what? Like, how is NC State not getting an at-large bid? That's like, I remember Alabama was the big controversy last year. That's definitely the headline this year when it comes to controversy at the selection show that was definitely a shocker yeah not looking at the uh, numbers and everything on the outside looking in I, like you said that was a team everybody thought was going to be a lock right and you know I think one other thing that could have hurt NC State is because of the amount of ACC teams in the tournament this year and you yeah. have 
some ACC host in there, and they can't play them. Yeah, they can't absolutely. go to yeah. this region. I think that could have been one That's thing factor, that yeah. hurt them as well. Yeah, and then uh, just going on the ACC, another thing that was kind of a controversy, but people around here don't care as much, or uh, I didn't put too much into it, but people were really upset that Notre Dame did not get a hosting bid. They sit at 13 on the RPI, strength of schedule 54, 16-11 in conference play. That was a team all year that was around the top eight. When you look at their schedule, especially in the ACC, took some bad losses in conference play. I believe they got swept by Duke, if not split with Duke. No, they, they got swept by Duke. Yeah. That, and they that, were number 10 in the country. Yeah, definitely not a good look. Um, but then they have some really good wins against Wake Forest, uh, have a good win against uh, NC State, uh, swept Florida State. Uh, that one was another head-scratcher. And uh, people, like, you see these Notre Dame, Dame fans that pop up on Twitter and they want to say, well, the selection show screwed us. I'll leave it at this. If they wanted to have a regional in Notre Dame, they would have done everything in their power to make mm-hmm. sure that happened over teams like, let's say, a Georgia Southern or a Southern Miss. Uh, the numbers support, maybe Notre Dame didn't deserve a hosting bid. Well, you know, I'm not going to get into too much of what I think hosts because I didn't pay attention to a lot of yeah. Notre Dame baseball this year. Yeah, absolutely. But building yeah. off your point, and Coach O has told me this, that they want a team hosting theoretically, from every kind of corner Mm -hmm. of the country. They like it when Oregon State or Oregon is good. They like it when a team like Michigan, Michigan State, Notre Dame is good. If the committee was corrupt, then Notre Dame would have hosted whether they deserved it or not. There is no team in that region of the country hosting. I mean, Oklahoma State's the middle of the country, but they're the south middle. And as you work your way up the east coast, the farthest team north is Maryland. There's nobody in the northeast, Mm -hmm. nobody in the Midwest. So if you want to say anybody hosed you, it was yourselves when you got swept by Duke. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, at the end of the day, I mean, Duke didn't make the conference tournament. Yeah. Yeah. If this committee was, you know, corrupt and biased and all that crap, you would be hosting easy. So you can't hear it. I don't want to hear it. And, you know, you talk about, you know, just something that popped in my head, too. You know, you look at teams like UNCG that stole a bid. You look at Michigan, a team that stole a bid mm-hmm. this weekend as well. And you throw that in, and that hurts NC State as well in terms of not mm-hmm. getting a bid. But like you said, too, you know, geographically it would have made a little bit more sense to have Notre Dame as a host. But you look at their strength of schedule, and, you know, we know – this committee put a big emphasis on that this year. Their strength of schedule, I believe, was 260 coming yeah. into yesterday. And yeah. so that right there shows that Definitely they didn't play a yeah. lot of good teams. Yeah. I, maybe that has to do with the region they're in. You know, when they do non-conference, they try to schedule a little bit more regionally. And I can't think out there in the Midwest, there's not a lot to pull from out there. you got right. you, you got a limited selection, so that definitely doesn't help their case. They can only work with what they got uh, regionally, and that definitely didn't help Notre Dame at all. But getting a little bit more to uh, – hate to keep doing this it sounds like i'm a negative nancy but just kind of criticizing the selection committee a little bit more here we always hear they want to when it comes to the regionals they want to keep teams that are within the area Mm -hmm. within those regionals and i'm looking at east carolinas in particular here and i'm looking at schools that ended up elsewhere that doesn't necessarily belong like i thought for sure and i'm glad it kind of didn't happen not for sure unc greensboro is going to end up in ecu and it made a whole lot of sense billy godwin former head coach, you have a lot of local recruits that ended up at uh, UNC Greensboro, which you're heavily familiar with. Mm-hmm. That made all the sense in the world, I thought. Instead, Coppin State, who I thought should have probably belonged in Maryland in that regional, somehow ends up in ours, and UNC Greensboro's out in Statesboro now. It just It's stuff like that where I'm kind of scratching my head, and I get the Western schools kind of throw a cog in the wheel in a little bit, but I felt like you could have worked around that and made that work. Even they could have ended up in the UNC regional. 
and that would have made a whole lot of sense. That was kind of a head-scratcher to me. Right, and, you know, a team that got did not make the tournament, but Wofford was yeah. a team I thought that could have been yeah. coming to Greenville as well just because of location. But like you, I thought Coppin State probably could have ended up in the Northern with yeah. Maryland. I think UNCG could have been with yeah. us or North Carolina this year as well. But, you know, geographically they try to do that a lot, and that's why yeah. I was – thinking that NC State was going to be coming yeah, to Greenville. or Wake Forest would have right. made a lot of sense. Absolutely. Yeah. But, you know, it would have been cool. I say cool. It would have been cool, yeah. really, to have UNCG here because of Billy Godwin. Yeah. You have Greg Hardison and Grant Charles Jarman on that team, yep. two guys that went to Rose here in Greenville, and that would have been a very cool aspect to see. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, just it's it's kind of like that across the board when you're looking at these regionals and uh, some of the slates and level of competition here or just the uh, competition that's been laid out. I'm looking at regionals that are just thrown together here with just random teams that don't really make sense geographically. But once again, I like don't have all the teams in front of me. I'm not a part of the selection committee, but I'm sure there's Western schools where there's not a lot of competition out there in the West. The West wasn't particularly strong when it came to college baseball this year. That definitely probably threw a cog in the wheel, I would think, for sure. Well, what hurts is a lot of the two seeds from out West yep. are Pac-12 schools. Yeah, All the one seeds from out West are Pac-12 schools. So, you know, like you got UCLA going to Auburn and then Vanderbilt going to Oregon State, but UCLA can't play Oregon State. Mm -hmm. Now they're matched up to where they can play each other in a super if they both win. Yeah. But they don't want, you know, you know the committee's got its rules, and I think the rules are good that you don't want to have conference games in the first round. So that has a little bit to do with it too. But I'm still with you, Ben. I can't remember exactly what I saw earlier, but there was some. And it was like, man, they could have made this team travel, you know, to – you know, like, I don't know, somebody like Vanderbilt, like, couldn't they have gone to Oklahoma State? Yeah. I mean, instead, Oklahoma State's got Arkansas. Arkansas could have went somewhere else. But then it comes down to how much does the committee put into ranking the two seeds? And well, your top two seed goes to the 16, and then your worst two seed goes to the one? I don't know. I mean, I, Scooter, you maybe you talk to Coach Joe more than I do. You may know this, but I think that hopefully has a little bit of it because I do believe if you're the number one overall team, you should have the easiest path to Omaha. Yeah, well, one thing that stands out to me, I'm looking at right here, Gonzaga is a two-seed in the Virginia Tech Regional. When I'm looking over here at Oregon State, I feel like that would make all the sense in the world. They're not in the same conference. Oh, that, that, was, the that was the yeah. one. That was what I forgot. Yeah, they could have went to Oregon State. And then because uh, their two is Vanderbilt, who would have been allowed to go to Virginia Tech. Yeah, absolutely. It's just like, I mean, you, you keep preaching. Uh, you want to keep it more regional and geographical location-based. And then you just had – even the team was looking at some of these regionals put together, and they're just like, this is not making a lot of sense at all. And it kind of surprised me. It's just like I, what, they're not consistent when it comes to that standpoint. And I think that's something that definitely needs to be worked upon. And we're getting these stone together regionals that are not going to have a lot of fan interest. I, I can't imagine Gonzaga fans are going to be traveling to Virginia Tech to go see uh, their baseball team play in Blacksburg. Right, and you know, normally I think the number is five hundred miles is what they normally don't want to send a team more than. And, yeah, you know, obviously that's a whole lot more than yeah. five hundred miles coming from Gonzaga all the way to Blacksburg. But they do have to do it, I think, in some situations like that. But like you said, there's a lot of interesting things geographically this year that was interesting to see. But yeah. I'm always excited for the NCAA tournament. Obviously, yeah. the committee has a. Very tough job every single year, and Absolutely. no matter what they do, someone's going to have a problem with anything they do. Yeah, I will say, though, we've had some tough regionals that don't make a lot of sense uh, ge geographically-wise uh, this year, but are just really some really great baseball teams thrown together in some regionals. I'm looking at Miami's right now. Miami's got Ole Miss and Arizona in their regional, along with Canisius, but, you know. 
Canisius, whatever. And Ole Miss a club that I was not necessarily surprised to see them get in, yep. but it did surprise me a Yeah, that's bit. when that was kind of on the bubble most of the year, and then they just kind of get a nod, I guess, because they're in the SEC, and the SEC is always tough. So another kind of tough regionals that stand out maybe got overlooked. I'm looking at Texas right now. They got Dallas Baptist as a three seed, Louisiana Tech as a two, and then Air Force as a four. Those are all very tough teams. Air Force is a team that got in because they want their conference tournament. But still, Air Force has had some big wins this year. And uh, you look across the board, Dallas Baptist, much like us, a team that's had consistently been getting in the regionals and had some super regional appearances. Uh, Louisiana Tech, another one of those teams that are kind of on our level that have been really great over the years. And uh, this goes back to what I said. Maybe the geographical stuff has to suffer, but at least we're getting some pretty good regionals out of it. Right, and you know that's a, a obviously a fun regional to be paired up with yep. in the bracket. But you know Texas obviously could come out of that. Dallas Baptist is a team that could win that yep. tournament as well. And you know you look, excuse me, as a team in Louisiana Tech that won Conference USA this year, yep. I believe for the first time ever, and that's a club that has been yep. good all season long. Yep. And you know Louisiana Tech, I believe, hosted a regional they maybe did. last yeah. year. Yeah, they, they did. did. Yeah. And so they're a tradition-rich program. They know how yep. to win. And, and Dallas Baptist is going to be a conference opponent of them starting yep. next season. I believe they're going to be making the move, the Conference USA. And that, yep. that's going to be a move that helps Dallas Baptist Absolutely. in situations like this because of RPI purposes. Yeah. Well, looking at the RPI, I thought it was interesting they brought up today because uh, one of the guys on the selection committee or selection show was trying to bring up, all right, what's the case for Dallas Baptist getting in? And the guy, he kind of – kind of peeled back the curtain a little bit and kind of showed how the selection committee operates. Dallas Baptist was a team I think was number one or two. I think Vanderbilt actually might have been number one. But when it came to strength of schedule, Dallas Baptist was way up there. And maybe their record doesn't stand out to you. But they always schedule very well and very tough in non-conference. That definitely helped their case considering they're not in a particularly strong conference. And uh, you know they're going to win, but it definitely helps their seating. And uh, it's just smart on their part. And I only bring this up because this is the regional we're paired up with. And it's kind of crazy to think if we move forward to the Super Regional in Greenville, we could potentially be hosting a team like Texas. Right. It's going to be crazy. That's, it, that's a that's a big deal. Yeah, absolutely. It would be the first Super Regional in Clark or Clare history. Yep. And, you know, just, you know, we've been so close over the past couple of years absolutely. to getting that top eight seed in. For this to be the team to get it is it's awesome. It's Especially, a Cinderella story. Absolutely yeah. it is. And, you know, you just going back to February and thinking, you know, this team started one and five. They were fourteen and thirteen at, yeah. at one point. I'm not afraid to admit I kind of lost hope there for a little bit. I was like, well, this is a team that's going to be conference mm-hmm. tournament or bust right here. Right. I mean, yeah. And, and I think that wasn't the case. And I think a lot of people were in that situation as well. They had kind of wrote yeah. this team off, and they and, blamed you for their struggles. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah, <laughs> yeah everybody gets blamed. Right. Yeah. Um, but you know, this team, Coach Godwin had said it all season long. This team's going to figure it out. They're going to figure it out. And it wasn't necessarily pitching wise. I thought at the beginning of the year, pitching I thought had been good all season long. That was their strong suit. Yeah. And it was just the offense that kind of had a slow start to the yep. season. And, you know, really after that first Cincinnati game to start conference play, something just clicked. Yeah, absolutely. It started clicking ever since then. They went through a little bit of a rough stretch, you know, that Tulane NC State stretch. But they yep. were still hitting the ball yep. really good then. And they just faced – And those were great teams at the time. Tulane right. was an important series at the time. That was one that should have been a must win. And then eventually we figured it out. But at the time – Everything was banking on that when it came to our season, right? And you know, like, well, like we said, you know, something just kind of just kind of clicked. Yeah, I would say during that first 
conference series after game one and ever since then you know obviously the rest is history now yeah. but ever since then this team has has been on a tear well going back to the beginning of the season I remember the big knock on this team was situational hitting and timely hitting now you look at it that's potentially a strong suit absolutely you coming into the regional here I mean it's insane to think that that how much we've grown and, and came along since the season has started right and I believe I heard this I think in Clearwater that over 50 percent of our runs scored in the conference tournament were with two outs. Yeah. And just to hear that, that is, that insane. is that's yeah. insane. Yeah. And, you know, two out hitting, you know, guys with runners in scoring position, that was something that they struggled with at the yeah. beginning of the season. And, you know, right now that, like you said, that is this team's specialty. And, you know, Aaron Sosha, which is the SID for UCF, talking with him a little bit, down in Clearwater, he said, you know, this team, you said, you look at this team and, you know, if they're down in the contest, they're kind of like sharks. He yep. said the first time they smell blood, they just attack and Absolutely. just start pouring I it on. I love that analogy there. And, yeah. it, and when I heard that, I was like, that's a great yeah. example of this team. Yeah, and just to give you an idea how far this team has come and what a great story this team has been, I remember Coach Godwin was getting a lot of, a lot of, like, a lot of criticism early in the year because he said, uh, I think in one of your pregame interviews, and people, this stuck with people for a while when we were struggling, he thought this was the most talented team he's ever coached. It looked like for a while that was not the case, and he got a lot of flack for that. And uh, credited Coach Godwin for staying for the course and believing in his team, because that's very much looking like the case right here. I mean, this is there's not a team I believe in more in the past few years than this particular ECU baseball team. They've proven me wrong time and time and again. And in the face of adversity, they've always thrived. Right. And, you know, this team, you know, obviously has gone through a lot this season. Yep. And, you know, this team, the the slow start, and these these guys bought in to yep. to this coaching staff. Yep. And, you know, they really bought in to that selfless act that Coach Godwin has talked about over yep. the past couple of weeks. And, you know, there's so many great examples of that throughout these past couple of weeks. But, yep. you know, you look at – Guys like Joey Barini, who is great Absolutely. coming off the bench. RBI Come, machine. Talk right. about timely hitting. Absolutely. I mean, he's the guy. Right. Yeah. Um, Ryder Giles, yep. another great example of that. And, you know, Coach Godwin will, will tell you that. He said this team's not where it is today yep. without Ryder Giles coming to him and saying, hey, I'm good with going yep. and, and pitching now. I'm good with not playing shortstop just to help this team. And guys like that has what's made this team so good over the past couple of weeks. Yep. What I think was one of the interesting things about this team and something that worried everybody in the past, in the early in the season was the lack of starting pitching. You know, did we have any true starters other than Cooch? Yeah, the Wisenhunt kind of threw everything. Yeah, well, yeah. even before him, it was like, okay, Wisenhunt and Cooch, who's kind of the Sunday guy? And yep. we've struggled to find three guys who can throw – five, six innings consistently. Not that we have had struggled to find good pitching, yeah. but starting pitching. Well, a lot of teams who have good starting pitching, they come to a regional, one pitcher gets rocked, and they realize they might have to play four games in three days. And they have they no, don't know how yeah. to do it. Yeah. And if anybody knows how to do it, it's, it's going to be this team. Yeah. This right. team is ready. This staff is ready and built for regional play. Absolutely. And, you know, like you said, you know, these guys, they come in, they throw one or two innings every single game. And, yeah. you know, Coach Godwin has, has said this in his interviews throughout the season and how they've kind of put a closer's mentality on every single pitcher, especially yep. the guys starting games. Guys like C.J. Mayhew, they say, hey, you finish out that first inning, you feel good, go out there, finish out the yep. second inning. You feel good, go out there, throw, and finish out the third inning. And that mindset has helped this team so much, I think, over the past couple of weeks. But like you said, Phillip, a team like the Pirates right now in terms of pitching is built for a tournament like this. Yeah, 
Well, I like Phillip's point because uh, that reminds me of Vanderbilt last year. Had two of the best starters in the country. They get to the World Series and get rocked. I think Kumar Rocker, the joke was Kumar Rocker's getting rocked. And they didn't really have a lot of depth in that pitching staff outside of them. That was the guys they relied on. The next thing you know, their back's against the wall and they lose. Mm -hmm. I mean, Mississippi State steals that series. You look at this ECU team, you look at the relievers, some of the best relievers in the country. You look at the pitch of the year in the conference, Carter Spivey, a reliever. Right. Yeah. And you look and, you know, Spivey, he might throw two innings this game or he might do like he did against Tulane earlier in the year and go seven innings. Yeah. Out of the pen, Ben Tewilliger. He might close out the night today, but three days from now, yeah. he's going to come in. He's going to throw three innings in. Sailor. Relief. Yeah, Garrett Sailor, yeah. another one. He he has a starter's mentality. Yeah. He was in the starting rotation at the beginning of the year. Yeah. And so that's a guy in a tournament like this that if you needed a spot start from someone, yeah. guys like him could do it. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's crazy to think the options this Pirate team has when there was a lot of speculation about pitching coming into the year. Not just with our starters, but with our uh, bullpen. I mean, even guys like Josh Gross have been very versatile. They could be starters. They can come out of the pen and do very well. And it's just been great to see. And I think ECU is a very versatile team. Has a lot of options that could be very dangerous. And I have a lot of belief in this team. And Gross, you know, the way that he has pitched. I know he's past, your favorite. He is. <laughs> he's been really good over the past couple outings. And his biggest difference that we've noticed from the booth is he's taken a little bit yep. off that fastball. And he was a guy throwing. 93-94 throughout the season is now throwing 91-90 at some times. Yep. And that's really helped him throughout the past couple of weeks, working in that breaking ball, too, a lot more early in counts. And he's going to be an arm that, because of the way he's pitching right now, is going to be key for the Pirates as well. Absolutely. We're excited for the regionals this weekend in Greenville this Friday. Going to open up against Coppin State. No word on if we'll be the day game or the night game, but history shows – Definitely going to be the day game, I'm thinking. So. Yeah, and Coach Gowan kind of alluded to that yeah. in his media availability after the selection show today, but I don't, I have not seen a time for a first pitch at all for that game. Yeah, absolutely. All right, we're going to shift gears here. Big game seven tonight. We're going to have audio from the players and Coach Godwin tomorrow on the Patrick Johnson Show Live at 5. And t- stay tuned to Talk of the Town on our sister station, 103.7. They'll bring you audio in their daily Pirate Report. In the meantime, the Canes, a big series in PNC Arena against the New York Rangers. Game 7. More on that on the other side of this quick timeout here on the Patrick Johnson Show. Online or on the go, log on to our brand new website, 943thegame.com, to listen to the Patrick Johnson Show weekdays at 5. It might be crap, but we love it! Or tell your smart speaker to stream 94.3 The Game to take us anywhere you are at any time. Need to insure a boat in Edenton? A business in Elizabeth City? A car in Greenville? How about a farm truck in Columbia or a home on the Outer Banks? Weatherly Insurance Agency, an independent insurance agency with five locations in eastern North Carolina, is here to help. Weatherly Insurance Agency has agents you can get to know because they're your neighbors and live in your town. Call today, 888-OBX-2IBX or on the web at weatherlyinsurance.com. From the Outer Banks to the Inner Banks, Weatherly Insurance has you covered. Country Mart stores of Pitt County are locally owned and part of your community. At Country Mart, they offer that great Shell gasoline with Shell rewards that save you money at the pump. And these days, that's really important. And don't forget Smitty's Restaurant at the Highway 11 store with great lunch specials daily and Pat's desserts that will be the best you've ever had. The Stokes location also offers hot food. Country Mart with two locations, Highway 11 between Greenville and Bethel and Highway 903 in Stokes. 
Are you paying too much for term life insurance? There's a tremendous price war among the major term life companies. Rates have dropped dramatically in the past few years. For example, a man age 45 non-tobacco user. $1 million of coverage is only $75 per month, level for the next 10 years. Or a man age 50 non-tobacco user can buy a half million dollars of coverage for a monthly premium of only $110. Guaranteed not to change for the next 20 years. That's right, level rates for 20 years. And if you're a smoker, we have great rates for you as well. At the Term Lifeline, we specialize in policies of a half million dollars and above. So if you're looking for new or replacement term life insurance, call right now for a free quote. Rates and availability may vary by state. Sample rate quotes are based on preferred non-tobacco underwriting exam required to qualify. 800-807-1981. 800-807-1981. 800-807-1981. That's 800-807-1981. Texas Roadhouse in Greenville is happy to support the community. At Texas Roadhouse, they not only want to be your favorite restaurant, they also want you to know they love this community and love supporting it. From providing food for charity golf tournaments to their school support programs, Texas Roadhouse is there when the Greenville community needs them. Also, it doesn't hurt that their food is awesome. Steaks, ribs, chicken, you name it, it's legendary. Texas Roadhouse, Southwest Greenville Boulevard, Greenville. Time for a weather update, and yup, there's still weather outside. It's a temperature. It could rain or not. It's either hot or cold. So wear a jacket or don't. Anyway, good luck. Unclear information isn't helpful, which is why when your car needs repair, head to Meineke Car Care Centers. With Meineke e-inspection, we'll send photos and technician notes straight to your phone, telling you what should be fixed and why. Get a basic oil change starting in 1995. Meineke, doing car care right. At participating locations, terms and conditions apply. Getting the Pirate Nation home. It's the Patrick Johnson Show. Well, the drive home should be a delight. Here on 94.3 The Game, the flagship station of the ECU Pirates and Eastern North Carolina's home for sports. Welcome back to the Patrick Johnson Show. Ben B. B Baby Barn filling in for the P-Man. Phil Bereff Pilkington alongside me. And special guest, Scott Rogers, Scooter. Always happy to have him in. Always a welcome sight as he's in studio with us. And getting into Game 7 tonight with the Hurricanes. Huge game. Um, you look at them on the road. Obviously, it's the biggest story of the playoffs this year. Their struggles on the road besides maybe a screwing of Calgary or early, uh, early this year in the playoffs and the Oilers advancing. But, uh, yeah, you look at them on the road. Physicality. Not been there, and that's what's plagued the Canes in the past, I think, as a Bruins fan. Uh, Phillip can definitely attest to that, seeing the Hurricanes in that series a couple years ago in the Eastern Conference Finals. That's something that's always been a constant thorn in the Canes' side. When things get a little too physical for the Canes, especially on the road, they tend to give up, and we've definitely seen that in the road games earlier this year and in the series so far. It's just been a sight to behold. Yeah, no, I agree. And obviously, you know, that last change means so much in hockey and you get the last change when you're at home. So yep. luckily for them, they're at home tonight. But you, know, you go back to kind of why they lost game six. I didn't get to see much of it. But no, they, they do they do seem to be a different team home and away. And, you know, they're undefeated at home this year in the playoffs and, uh, you know, winless on the road. The fortunate thing, they're at home tonight. If they yes. win, they would be at home against the Lightning. Unfortunately, if they run into the Colorado Avalanche, yeah, not they're the good. road team. Yeah. So, yeah, not you know, good at all. Uh, but, you know, they'll come around. Look, Rob Brendamore knows what it takes to win on the road as a coach. He did it well as a player. 
um, they had to go on when he won the cup and they won some road games, yep. you know, in that journey. And uh, he'll get them right. This team is, is very dangerous and uh, they gel together. And, you know, when you talk about sometimes what it takes to win a championship, it's just guys that want to win for each other more so than talent. And I'm not trying to say this Carolina Hurricanes team is not talented, yeah. but, uh, you know, it's all about winning and about playing for the guy next to them. And they've done one heck of a job of that. Yeah. And one thing that's not being mentioned, and mainly because the New York media dominates the hockey talk more so than the Raleigh media when it comes to hockey. But uh, the Rangers are 1-6 and six in the playoffs on the road, too. So it's not like they haven't had their struggles on the road, especially in this series. But I think the big key tonight is definitely the goalie situation. Antti Ranta has struggled in recent games. Uh, I think he gave up five goals the last game, got pulled, did not look good at all, and he's getting the start tonight. Frederick Anderson, who's been our rock all year, uh, is not getting the start despite practicing. And I guess that makes sense. You don't want to throw him outside in his first game back in the playoffs or throw him back in in a Game 7, a really important Game 7 against the Rangers as he's trying to work his way back in and get a feel for the game. Makes perfect sense. But Antti Ranta, uh, he's really going to be the key to this game, and it's a matter if we're getting a really good Ranta or we're getting a very inconsistent, not very good one. Well, he's been inconsistent on the road, and once again, they're at home tonight. They're at PNC Arena. It's big. We saw it starting in the Boston series. Yeah, he got hurt in Game 2. He came out. Uh, I did believe he started Game 3 after the injury. Maybe not. Maybe he didn't play until Game 4, but it was, you know, he just wasn't the same goalie on the road, and, you know, that's the, you know, you want a guy who's consistent, obviously, uh, but the, you know, the big thing right now for the Carolina Hurricanes, he's been consistent at home. Shifting gears, pedal to the metal. See what I did there? We're going to Charlotte there Motor Speedway. Bitch. Our man, our man Philip the Ref Pilkington was on the scene. Uh, sounds like he had a good time. He's definitely tired. His voice a little uh, hoarse here from having a good time at Charlotte. How, what was that experience like? I know the uh, the turnout was insane. It was a sold out crowd, which was kind of shocking to me. But I guess Charlotte's kind of the big four when it comes to NASCAR in terms of races. Just in my personal opinion. It seems like you had a good time, my friend. What were the tailgates like out there? Oh, man, it was awesome. We got out there and started tailgate. Well, at first, I was there all three days, yep. uh, but we tailgated starting at like 9 a.m., went into the track around 3. I was sitting in the in the infield. Yeah, you kind so, of finessed your way in there. No, no, we finessed our way into the pits for the truck race. So we, yeah. had, we had normal infield passes for the weekend. That was – it was just a truck race. We finessed our way on a pit road before the race. But overall, as a, you know, as a race, it was very long by distance due to two overtimes. It was the longest NASCAR race ever ran. I think they ended up going like – 619.5 miles but uh it overall is a good race there were a lot of cautions but made which also made it go over five hours but uh new friend of the show ricky stenhouse jr who was so kind to join us last Absolutely. week uh comes home seventh extending that top 10 streak four straight races where he's been in the top 10 him and christopher bell are the only two guys to be in the top 10 each of the last four races uh c bell coming home p5 um denny hamlin was the winner he uh maybe didn't Shocker. have the best car all night but i mean all the guys who had the best cars uh, took themselves out there in the last you know two laps it was a very exciting finish Went into double overtime, so it you know it kind of stinked watching Hamlin and Kyle Busch duel it out at the end. It's like don't want to watch either one of these guys yeah, win. Yeah, I don't like or, either of these guys. Yeah, yeah. But we realized that's who it was going to turn out to be at the end once uh, Larson and all those other guys got taken out there in the last few laps. But no, it was a heck of a weekend. Shout out to the crowd for coming in um, and showing out because man, the place really was full. 
Infield was full. Stands were full. It was a good turnout for the Xfinity race on Saturday. It was even well for the truck race on Friday night. I hear uh, you're a little giddy because you met your dream girl, Haley Deegan. Oh, what was that like, my I, man? I don't know if I'd say she's my dream girl. She's but. up there. Uh, your dream girl is probably Selena Gomez. Yeah, Haley Deegan's top yeah, five nah, for nah, sure. Uh, nah, uh, it was cool meeting Haley, though. She was cool. We saw her on pit road. Got to, meet, got to talk to a few of the truck drivers. That was the cool part about NASCAR is you actually get to meet the drivers. Unlike any other sport, you know, before the game, you don't get to yeah. talk to anybody. We're just, like, walking up and down pit road i mean carson hosovar is one of the truck drivers he's known for buying he buys a goofy hat each week and he wore a bedazzled uncle sam hat oh my god first walked right so it was like dude awesome hat yeah. he's like thanks man <laughs> so no it was so cool. that guy's hat sucks <laughs> no, once he started leaving yeah no it's <laughs> cool man is there still a good amount of former ecu football players on a bunch of races? that's right they recruit them out there they're yeah. recruiting them for the combine earlier right. this year yeah, yeah i don't know um i remember uh, Tom McClellan saying there is one guy I can't remember who it is that's still out there and uh, from what I heard um, Bruce Bivens actually got an offer to join Roush Finkelowski yeah. Racing uh, this year I don't know if wow. he's going to you know pursue that or not but uh, I don't even know if I'm supposed to actually be saying that but um, whatever it's, it's yeah. not a big deal breaking news Bruce Bivens recruited by NASCAR but, yeah, but I mean. no I, to answer your question uh, Skidder there I think there are still a few guys um and most of those guys are actually, you know, former college football players. And those pit stops, they look fast on TV. When you're standing right up pit wall, like 10 feet from them doing it, that camera can't do it justice. Even the camera on my phone being that close, you don't understand just how fast yeah. that is and how hard that is. It was pretty cool to see. The the, uh, the uh, pro day for EC was a little uh, strange this year in terms of the turnout. They had some XFL guys, USFL, CFL. And then I... This might be rumor. I might be crazy or somebody might have been blowing smoke. But I heard there was even WWE people out there recruiting some guys. I know they've been on the uh, out there on the recruiting trail looking at potential college football players. But, hey, ECU getting some eyes their way. I mean, hey, maybe we could see a guy like, I don't know, if things don't work out for Holton Aylers, maybe he'd be the next WWE champion. I'm here for it. I think the uh, <laughs> WWE yeah. uh, indoor practice facility has a good name to it still. Yeah. Wait, Vince, Vince. McMahon? Yeah. The Come McMahon on. Family Practice Facility. I would love that, man. Yeah, I love that pitch. Come on. Come on, Vince. Throw some money our way, dude. Absolutely. Yeah, give or maybe Sandra Bullock. Yeah. She heard, doesn't even claim us. I heard she was a go-go dancer during her time at ECU, so maybe there those were go. some dark times for her at ECU. Vince, <laughs> Vince can come on a baseball broadcast at, at any time he wants to. If oh, he's, ever he's getting an open invitation from Absolutely. Scooter here. Yeah. He can come do color this weekend since Coach O'Reilly. There we go. Long. I wonder what that would be like. Oh, that would be awesome. What a maneuver. It'd be, I think it'd be fun for about two innings. It'd be really entertaining. And then it's like, okay, this is a serious yeah, regional. Vince is a goofball, and you would man. Just Get him off the broadcast. Yeah. Scooter just put Vince through the broadcast booth table. <laughs> By God, <laughs> that man has a family, damn it. <laughs> He's broken him smack dab in half. <laughs> Dude, I would love that, man. Be, Vince. That would be entertaining. Yeah, absolutely for sure, man. Vince, throw a bone our way, dude. Give us some money, man. <laughs> I would love to see it. Anyways, that's going to do it for us here on the Patrick Johnson Show. Special thanks to my man, Scott Rogers Scooter. Always a pleasure to have you in the studio, man. Thanks a lot. Absolutely, man. Love coming on. Yeah, and then uh, Phil the Ref Pilkington. 
Came back, had a long uh, trip back. He had to come back from Charlotte too, just like the players. So yeah, I did. But uh, the, I, I got to have a happy. Well, they got to have a happy trip back. But I had a plenty happy trip back because uh, my Celtics going to the NBA Finals. So and I'm Absolutely. sure you didn't drive back at two o'clock in the morning. No, I didn't. I did wait. I woke up this morning, had breakfast with my parents, and then uh, I actually got back a few minutes before I got here to the radio station. That was nice. But I do got to ask: was uh, was Coach O? Part of the group that didn't make it. Okay, I didn't he was know. not. He flew. I, he threw separate from the team. His his flight was separate. Okay, that works out because the reason why I was asking, I know he parked his car mm-hmm. at Raleigh because I ran into him last Monday in the Raleigh airport. I was like, wow, I was getting off on the bus. I see this. Uh, you know, older gentleman in a nice suit getting off the bus. I'm like, this guy's dressed nice to fly. I was like, Coach O. Coach O <laughs> cracks me up, dude. Yeah. He was wearing this nicest, like, vest and everything, and he's out there, like, doing groundskeeping, like, duties for, like, softball championships. Oh, o. my goodness. I love him, man. He's so, such I, an that asset. is Coach O. Yeah. I know Scooter talked about this on a baseball broadcast, but it's not been brought up on this show yet. Yeah. When he was dragging the field for softball. I was loving that he video. He could have contended in the Coca-Cola 600. <laughs> he was I mean, whipping was that thing, boy. it turn at like 200 miles an hour. It was like, oh my goodness, Coach O. Hey, he know, Coach he knows you got to get things done. Yeah, He does. He's a great asset to ECU, but that's going to do it for us here on the Patrick Johnson Show. Special Memorial Day edition. Don't forget what this day's about while you're chilling on the boat, listening to us or grilling out. This is about the troops. This is about the people who sacrificed their life for us to do this show and just for our country. And that's going to do it for us here on the Patrick Johnson Show. P-Man back tomorrow live at 5. Audio from the players and coaches, Cliff Godwin, Jacob Jenkins-Coward, Zach Agno, CJ Mayhew, Bryson Whirl, and much more. All coming your way tomorrow. And tune in live early in the morning, Talk of the Town, our sister station, 103.7. John Gilbert joining us. That's going to do it for us here on 94.3 The Game. been a pleasure, and have a great, safe Memorial Day. Robert Patterson, a veteran and business owner, struggled at work and in the gym with chronic agonizing shoulder pain. Those injuries just continue to nag, and if you don't treat them, they just get worse. And I just kind of abused my body for a long time, and it finally had said enough is enough. That's okay, because QC Kinetics tells your pain, hey, enough is enough. Their regenerative treatments bring you relief by helping restore and repair damaged tissue with no drugs, no downtime, and best of all, no surgery. I was able to exceed the goals that I had previously attained in the gym, it was absolutely worth its weight in gold so I could continue to live life without limitation. Ready to get lasting relief from your joint pain? Call QC Kinetics to learn more about how natural biologic treatments can get you lasting results. Call now. It's a free consultation. 252-765-PAIN. That's 252-765-7246. QC Kinetics. 252-765-PAIN. If you're taking a calcium supplement, it's probably not doing what you think it is. That's because you still lose bone density with traditional calcium supplements. That's where calcium from algae comes in. Algae Cal Plus doesn't just stop bone loss. It's the only supplement ever shown to increase bone density in clinical studies. That's right. Algae Cal Plus increases bone density, even if you're in your 80s. That's because your bones need more than just calcium and vitamin D to stay strong. There are actually 13 minerals and 3 vitamins needed to build healthy new bones.
backbone. And Algae Cal Plus contains all of them, and it's proudly made in the USA. Your calcium doesn't increase bone density. Algae Cal Plus does. Talk to one of our bone health consultants today and see how Algae Cal Plus can start increasing your bone density. Call now. 800-395-7074, 800-395-7074, 800-395-7074, that's 800-395-7074. 